Uh, so we are wrapping up this series we've been in as we look, walked through the book of Luke and Luke chapter 5, uh, Better Together. Uh, and so as we wrap up uh, that series today, um, let's go ahead and check out this video. I'm a little bit of a uh, religious mutt, not nut, uh, mutt. Uh, I come from a wide variety of a religious uh, Christian background. I grew up going to a Pentecostal charismatic church uh, here in Maple Grove, actually. And then I went to a Lutheran middle school, uh, a fundamentalist Baptist high school that believed all drums were from the devil. Uh, and then uh, in college, I actually even worked for a little while uh, for the Basilica downtown, the big Catholic church down there, um, doing music for their, their youth mass. So I have a wide variety of religious backgrounds. And, and that was good because it really helped me kind of figure out what do I believe and what do I think about all this personally and the different streams of Christianity. Um, but, you know, even through all those different expressions as, 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 a, as a kid and teenager, uh, the message I kept hearing was, um, you know, it's all about, you know, Jesus says do this. Jesus says don't do that. And it felt a little bit like that game you play maybe in like elementary school, you know, Simon Says. How many of you guys play that game Simon Says? You know, it's like Simon Says, stand up. Simon Says, sit down. You know, stand up. And if you do, oh, I didn't say Simon Says, you know, you're out. And that's kind of felt like with Jesus, like, Jesus says, do this. Jesus says, don't do that. Jesus says, you know, don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, don't date girls who do, you know? And that was kind of like, but Jesus, have you seen her? Like, come on, give me a break here. And that kind of felt like the way I grew up was this whole just like, well, Jesus says, Jesus says. And maybe, maybe that's the way you grew up. Maybe that was your view of Christianity is that it's all about a list of rules. It's all about who's in, who's out. And, uh, you know, maybe even you're like, you know what, I just can't deal with all these rules and the list of Jesus says. And you've even said, like, you know what, if that's the case and I'm going to hell, fine, so be it. I'll go to hell. At least I'll know a bunch of people there. You know, and you just, you just knew you couldn't keep up with the, the Jesus says, the Jesus says. My, my heart for you is that you would just kind of erase all of that. And, and you could, if you could just be a blank slate and, and start from scratch and look at what we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these stories, the, these biographies of Jesus, and get to know the real Jesus. It's not about just Jesus says and this list of rules. It's about this relationship. And Jesus, he said it's not about all these rules. It's about a relationship. And over and over he said, I have come that you might see the Father and know the Father and he gave us the ways that, that uh, this relational view of God that's different than a list of do's and don'ts. And he said, it's, it's like the relationship of a father and a child. And maybe you grew up without a good dad. And so maybe that's a terrible example because you're like, I didn't have a good dad. But you think about a loving father and a child. And Jesus says, that's the way our relationship should be with God. And he says, it's like a vine and a branch. And, and uh, a couple years ago, Chris and I got a chance to go out to Napa Valley for, for a day, and we were out there and just seeing all these vineyards and the way all these branches that hold the, the fruit are connected to this vine. 
It's like such an intimate, personal relationship. They're so connected. It's, it's one. And Jesus says, that's the way it is with you and me. And I'm the vine. You're the branches. And you're connected to me. And he, he says, it, it's, like, it's like a shepherd and sheep. And it's this relational example, which for us today in our 21st century context is kind of a bad example. Uh, Thank you. Well, because we don't know much about shepherds and sheep, but shepherds like lived with their sheep and they were there all the time. And Jesus says, that's the way it is. It's, it's, it's a personal, intimate relationship. It's not just this list of rules. And Jesus used this one word over and over again to describe what this relational dynamic should be like. It's this one word. He said, just follow. Follow me. And, and that's what we're going to see today. And that's what we've seen so Jesus just says, follow. It's an invitation to follow close behind. And Jesus extended this invitation to follow to all different kinds of people, young, old, religious, irreligious, spiritual, non-spiritual, uh, insiders, outsiders. He simply said, follow me. Well, we are journeying our way through the book of Luke here at Mosaic. We like to go through books of the Bible. And so we're in Luke 5. We're wrapping up Luke 5 today. So you can turn with me if you want to Luke 5, verse 27. And if today... You know, maybe uh, you came today to support, you know, one of the people getting baptized or, or someone else, and you haven't been to church in a while, or maybe your parents got divorced and you walked away from church. Uh, if you're a little irreligious, if a little anti-religious, you're going to love this story. Uh, this story is for you. Uh, Luke 27, verse 32. It says, After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. Well, at the start of this chapter, a couple weeks ago when we dove into Luke 5, we saw that Jesus was out on the shore of a sea and he's teaching people. And there's some fishermen there. And, uh, and the people, as they're pressing close, he's backing up, backing up, and his feet start getting in the water. And he's like, hey, can I borrow your boat? And he gets in the boat. And then he, after he teaches, he invites them to let down their nets. And they take this one simple step of, of obedience. And then they catch this huge catch of fish and they realize who Jesus is. And he says, follow me. And they follow him. And so Peter and James and John and Andrew, these four good Jewish boys, fishermen, follow Jesus. And they meet this man of leprosy who's a total outsider. And, and this disease causes him to live outside the city. And no one has been around him in years. No one has touched him. No one has shown him affection in years and years. And he asks, and he comes to Jesus. And desperate people are drawn to Jesus. He says, please heal me. And what we expect Jesus to do is, you know, to heal him with a word of, of, of compassion and, and to heal him. But he goes beyond that. And it's an amazing story where Jesus reaches out and he touches this man who's untouchable and hasn't been touched in years. And instead of being infected by the leprosy, Jesus' cleanness and healing infects this man and he's, he's made whole again. And, and this outsider becomes back into the community. And then last week we learned how Jesus was teaching in someone's house, like a small group. And, and these people had heard about the things that Jesus was doing and these four really good buddies Bring their friend who's paralyzed. We don't know why, whether he got hurt on a construction site or something. They've got to get him to Jesus because he can heal. And they can't get into the front door because the house is packed. And so they open up the roof and they dig through and they let him down. And then Jesus heals this man. And he forgives his sins. And he's restored. And so after all this, Peter and James and John and Andrew, and they're watching Jesus. And they're following him. They're like, okay, 
this is awesome. What, what do we got now, Jesus? Like you were healing people. This is amazing. And they're, and they're heading towards, you know, uh, uh, different areas. And, and Jesus today had these tax booths. And they were everywhere. At the corner of intersection of roads, you had to pay a tax. You know, to catch some fish and you're out on the Sea of Galilee, you had to pay some taxes. So they're walking towards one of these tax booths. And they're like, oh, what, what, why, why are we going here? I don't know. Maybe we owe some, t- some taxes. And Jesus is approaching this, this tax collector. Now, when I talk about tax collectors, like you and I, we kind of have a picture of what that might be like, but, but not really. See, the only category I can put this in that, that people would, would really be thinking is picture the 22-year-old kid who's behind, you know, 7-Eleven or the Super America selling drugs to middle school kids who, who come to, uh, you know, buy candy. That's, that's their picture of a tax collector. Like, they hated this person. They despised him. And doing some study, I read what some other rabbis said about tax collectors. And they said, there is no hope for tax collectors, is what some of the rabbis would say. In fact, I didn't know this until this week, that tax collectors weren't even allowed inside the temple. They weren't allowed in synagogues where people would gather together for teaching and fellowship. They're such outsiders, they, weren't even, they wouldn't, couldn't come to church. They couldn't go to a small group. They were outsiders. This is like the equivalent of saying, uh, Levi, he works for the IRS, and he's a member of ISIS. Like, that's what it is for us. It's like, you're IRS and ISIS? Like, this is not a good person. Like, we are revolted by this person. This is not anyone you want to have a conversation with. And so Jesus, he does kind of the unthinkable, and he approaches Levi. Levi's not used to people approaching him because they're afraid he just ripped them off. <laughs> See, what happened was, was Rome was the dominant empire of this day, and they conquered all these countries. And they needed a way to collect all these taxes. So they uh, would give the uh, uh, ability to collect taxes. Uh, they'd auction it off. And the company who auctioned, you know, won the auction, the bid to collect taxes, they then, that company would hire local citizens to collect the taxes. And Rome would say, hey, we need this amount of money. And your company, anything you collect over and above that, you can keep. And so there's a lot of extortion going on. Picture kind of mobsters with a baseball bat. Like, you owe us some more money. They're like, what? I've given you everything I've got so far. And the local people, the local Jewish people who worked for these companies who collected taxes were hated. Because not only were they just extorting the people and kept asking for more and more money, that every time they paid taxes to Rome was a reminder that to them they felt like God had abandoned them, that God had forgotten them. And they're supposed to be this free people living in the promised land. And they're in the promised land, but the promised land has become a prison and, and, and there's empire over them and they feel abandoned. So every time they pay a taxes. They're like, man, why has God forgotten us? And so people hated tax collectors. And so what Jesus does next is so very unexpected. Jesus approaches this unapproachable tax collector. He initiates relationship with him. Theologically, this is known as the doctrine of election. That we don't look for God, that God looks for us. We're not seeking God, but God is seeking sinners. Levi is a sinner. He's not looking for Jesus. In fact, at this moment, he hasn't even got up out of his chair yet, but Jesus is coming to him. Jesus is approaching him. And Jesus calls him to change his ways to repent. A couple weeks ago, we learned what repentance means is that you're going on a path and and you're walking down, you look up and you realize all of a sudden I've wandered off the path where I'm supposed to be. I need to turn around and get back to where I'm supposed to be. And Jesus says, you need to leave this way of life. This path that you're on is not a good path. You need to leave your vocation. You need to leave your wealth, your power, Leave it all behind and come, follow me. And what I love about Jesus is that Jesus is not just 
forgiving sinners. Jesus is befriending sinners. If you're taking notes, you can write that down, that Jesus isn't just forgiving sinners, he's befriending sinners. I love that Jesus doesn't just forgive this man and then he goes on with his ministry. He says, Matthew, come follow me. You outsider, you're now invited inside. And real quick, Levi is known as Matthew and Levi, so if I use both names interchangeably, I'm sorry, I'm, it, that's just the way it is. Uh, so Levi, Matthew, same person. And, and, and as Jesus invites Levi to come follow him and to be a part of his inner circle, there's so many things he could have said to him. He could have said, Levi, wow, I bet your mom's real proud of you. <laughs> Working for this evil empire, what are you doing? You know, but out of all the things that Jesus could have said to Levi, what does he say? He says, Levi, follow me. Follow me. And I can imagine that Peter, who's the loud, outspoken one of the group, I just imagine Peter like gasping, like, what? What do you mean? Like, because he's like, sometimes Peter's a little slow, and he's thinking through it, and he's like, all right, so I hate this guy. He's a tax collector. But Jesus, if he starts following you, that means he's going to be around me. Like, I don't like this plan. This is not good. Like, I didn't sign up for this to be around, like, outsiders. Like, what, what is going on? Verse 28, and leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Man, Levi just left behind his business, and he followed Jesus. And I imagine if you're Peter, James, John, these close followers of Jesus, you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It can't be this easy. There needs to be more hoops you jump through. Like, no, come on, there's got to be certain things you do. You can't just start following Jesus. Like, there's got to be things you got to do. He's a tax collector. But Jesus simply invites this outsider in. You know, and Jesus doesn't say, you know, if, Levi, you're willing to do this, then you can follow me. He doesn't say, Levi, as long as you start doing this, then you can follow me. Or as long as you stop doing this, you can follow me. He just says, hey, Levi, come on, follow me. And that's what Jesus does all throughout the gospel, this simple invitation to follow him. The question I want you to ask today is, am I following Jesus? Am I following Jesus? Not am I keeping a list of rules. Not am I believing the right things. Not have I believed in Jesus at some point in my life, but am I following Jesus? Is it an active, everyday thing? Am I following Jesus? Take away the Jesus says, the Simon says, and ask that question. Am I following Jesus? And if this seems too simple to you, it seemed too simple to the religious people of Jesus' day. So now the story kind of shifts. And, and, and we're going to see that uh, Jesus is, next, is partying with Levi at his house. And I just imagine if Peter had a problem, who, as we see in the book of, Luke, uh, Beck of Acts, he's still a racist at that time. Uh, but if Peter has a problem hanging out with Levi and being seen with him, what do you think he felt going to Levi's house? Like, it's like, all right, fine. It's one thing to be kind of around him. But now, wait a minute, Jesus, where are we going? He's, you know, they're following Jesus. Like, where are we going? Wait, what? His house? Verse 29. And it keeps getting worse for Peter, James, and John, these good Jewish boys. Verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. A large company. Like, if one is bad, a large company has to be much, much worse. 
Like, here's what I picture. It's Levi, he, he invites all his friends and they're hanging out and they're partying and they're having a good time. And, uh, you know, I picture like Peter, James, those guys, they're kind of just standing there. I don't want to touch these guys. I don't want to infect me. I don't like this. I don't like this. You know, that's these guys. Like they're, they're getting stretched. And here's what, why this is such a big deal. And if you're today, you're here and you're kind of just checking things out and, and, and religion and, and you're not sure to think about this is Jesus was extraordinarily comfortable with people who weren't like him. And apparently people who were nothing like Jesus were very comfortable being around him. Have you ever been around someone who's so comfortable, so confident in themselves? They know who they are. They know whose they are. They know their purpose in life. And they're not pretending. They're not putting on a show. And they're just so easy to spend time with. That was Jesus. Jesus knew who he was. He knew whose he was. He knew his purpose. And he wasn't trying to pretend. And people were just so comfortable being around him. And what that means is that if you come and, and you check out Mosaic and you feel anything but total acceptance, that's not on Jesus. That's not on God. That's on us. <laughs> we're imperfect and broken and, and we're not as good as Jesus, but we want to be of just being comfortable with you and saying, just come, hang out, learn. See, Jesus would like you. Jesus wouldn't be put off by your past or what you've done or what's been done to you. Jesus would extend that invitation and just say, follow me. And what does Levi do? He immediately throws a party. And I love that, that his response is to throw a party. He invites all his friends to meet Jesus. You got to meet this guy. He invited me to follow him. You got to come over. And he becomes very generous. And I picture, you know, Levi, he's been very stingy. He's very greedy. All of a sudden he becomes generous and he pulls out the good china for the first time. And he like slaughters, you know, the fattened calf and he burgers for everyone. And not just, you know, bad burgers, but like good cheeseburgers. Like he's grinding up the bacon with the beef and it's really good. And, you know, he's been worried about people coming in and tracking dirt in his carpet. He's like, no more. Come on in. Leave your sandals on. It's all good. And he's throwing a big party. And I love the Holy Spirit is, is active in his life already. He's going from greedy to generous. And he's using his resources to help people come meet Jesus. And as soon as he meets Jesus, he wants other people to meet Jesus. And he throws a huge party. And I want you to know, throwing parties is a ministry. And, and if that's your ministry, do that. And not a lot of churches are good at throwing parties, but we want to be good at it. We want to say, hey, Come in, meet Jesus, have some fun, have some good food. Throwing parties can be a great ministry. What we've seen, though, is that wherever Jesus goes, he's shadowed by these religious leaders called Pharisees. And the Pharisees are kind of watching Jesus and writing it down. They're tweeting, this is what Jesus is up to today. And so they're following Jesus, and they're like, oh, he heals another guy. What, on the Sabbath, what, you know, what's he doing? And, you know, they're, they're busy tweeting. And they look up, and they realize what part of town they're in. This is where the tax collectors live. Wait a minute. Where are we going? And they realize Jesus is walking into Levi's house. The tax collectors are like, what is going on? And what I love is I picture Jesus and the disciples going in. And then Levi, he kind of stops the Pharisees. He's like, uh-uh, you guys aren't allowed in. Sorry. And he kind of shuts the door in their face. And all of a sudden, they're the outsiders looking in. And they're all partying. They're having fun. Uh, uh, verse 30. And I love this. And the Pharisees and their scribes, they're outside. They're looking in. They grumbled at his, Jesus' disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? First, I got to love that tax collectors are so bad. They have their own category. Like it's like all the sinners, like the killers, the, the rapists, like everyone. There's the sinners and the tax collectors. Like that's how bad they were. And they're like, what is Jesus doing with these sinners? I don't get it. He's a rabbi. He's a holy man. We're a holy man. He loves God. We love God. He loves the scriptures. We love the scriptures. Why is it that he chooses to spend time with people who aren't like him? I don't get it. 
So Jesus is sitting around his, the table, and they're having a good time, and they're eating the burgers, and they got chips and dip, and it's good, and the music is going. I picture, you know, they listen to like, like Justin Timberlake, you know, I got this feeling inside my bones. You know that song? Yeah. And they're all, it goes electric, wavy. And that's what they're hanging out, and it's a good time. And the Pharisees are like, why are you hanging out with those sinners? And this is, if you're watching the movie, this one like the music screeches to a halt, like, Arr! everyone's like, oh, the religious people, they don't like this. What is Jesus going to say? And I picture Jesus. He's at the table, and he kind of smirks. And he's leaning back, and he's got his good buddy Levi next to him. And he's like, verse 31, those who are well, he kind of shouts it out the window to the Pharisees, those who are well have no need of, of a physician, but those who are sick. Now, imagine you're Levi, and Jesus is like, hey, it's the sick people that need me, not the well people. Like, what are you thinking? You're like, Jesus, you're a guest in my house. This is kind of offensive. Like, you're calling me sick? And you're calling, like, all my friends sick? Like, what are you going on? I told them to come and meet you. And now you're calling us all sick, and you're saying, like, you came here for the sick people? Like, what does that make me? And I picture Jesus. He's just like, Levi, you're a tax collector. Of course you're sick. And all your friends are sick, too. And his buddies are like, yeah, dude, we are sick. High five. We're sick. We're sick. Yeah. And Levi's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little offensive, but yeah, I guess you're right. But what's so great is that Jesus is so winsome. He's so comfortable with who he is. He can say things like this. He can say, I'm here for the sick people. I'm here for the people that know they need hope. They know they need healing. See, people like Levi who are willing to look in the mirror and say, I need something. I am sick. Those are the kind of people that are the prime candidates to be followers of Jesus. Jesus goes on to say in verse 32, I have not come to call, come to call, come to call. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So I'm here for the sinners. Not just to love them. I'm here for that too, but towards repentance, which we talked about is you're on this path and it's not a right path. You need to turn and get on the path that Jesus wants you to be on. I'm here for the sick people. I'm here for the sinners. And Jesus says, I'm not just content to hang out with people who believe the right thing and behave the right way. I want to join with the people who believe the right way and behave the right way so that we can call the people who wish they had more control over the way they behave. And what I'm going to say next is this is just for those of us who are followers of Jesus. And if, if you're just checking things out, you can just kind of listen if you want. But we dare not become a, a church that is only interested, that's only interested in believing the right way and behaving the right way. Because we are called to join and to call people who feel like outsiders to come in to believe the right way and to behave. But if we only focus on believing the right way and behaving a certain way, we are in danger of becoming like the Pharisees on the outside looking in of where Jesus is. So we've come to call people who know they're sick <laughs> to follow Jesus. And as important as it is to believe the right way and to behave a certain way, we partner together to call people towards repentance. We don't wink at sin, but we say, nope, leave that old way of life. It's not healthy, it's not good. Leave behind the old you, follow Jesus, and become the new you. Otherwise, if it's just about rules and Jesus says, Jesus says, 
We're in danger of being the Pharisees. See, the Pharisees said, change, and you can be like us. You can be, you can join us. Get circumcised, believe these rules, and then you can join us. But Jesus said, join us. Come follow me, and you will change. Jesus says, follow me. You don't need to do all this stuff before following me, but i got to warn you, one day you're going to wake up, you're going to look in the mirror, and you're not going to recognize who you see because you're going to look a lot more like Jesus. It's not about this list of hoops to jump through before following Jesus. He just simply extends that invitation to follow him. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're at a place that you're just checking things out, to ask, am I following Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Well, a couple quick things. Number one, I want you to know that being a sinner does not disqualify you from being a follower of Jesus. In fact, it's a prerequisite. <laughs> it's like to say none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. We're all sinners that Jesus invites to follow. So if you've messed up and you've made a mess of your life, that does not disqualify you from following Jesus. He says, it's okay, follow me. Number two, being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. Now, I thought a lot about this week, and I, and I, I wasn't sure what I felt about this. And, and I, you know what? No, I, I do believe this, that being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. See, none of Jesus' earliest followers believed. They, they, they wanted to, but you'd see throughout the scriptures, he'd do something like, then they believed. Or even one of Jesus' closest followers had a nickname, Doubting Thomas. And even after Jesus rose from the dead, he's like, I don't know about this. Not until I put my finger in the hole of his hand where the nail went through, then I'll believe. And here's the thing. I know there's so many of you who struggle with doubt. That's okay. You don't have to have every single question answered about how creation works and sanctification and all this stuff and miracles, and I'm not sure. Jesus says, it's okay. You have questions, that's all right. Just follow me. Just follow me. We'll get there. You don't have to have every question answered to follow Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you still have questions, and you still have doubts, and you're wrestling, I don't know, that's okay. Number three, following forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. See, the Pharisees were so focused on the sinners and the tax collectors and where Jesus was going. But Jesus says, follow Focus on where you are. Focus on me. In the time of Jesus, there was a, a, a saying they would say uh, for followers of, of different rabbis. They would say, may you follow your rabbi so closely, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. And the idea was that you're following so closely behind your teacher, your rabbi, that uh, as, he, as he walked in the dusty roads, you would literally like, put your foot in the steps that he took. And you would go everywhere he went as, you, as you, you learned to be more like him, and eventually you became just like your rabbi. You ate the same way, you drank the same way, you hung out with the same kind of people, same worship habits. And Jesus says, follow me. Don't be so worried about what others are doing. Just focus on me. And I wanna invite you this morning. If the world and worries and fears and what others are doing is consuming you, Take your eyes off all that. And just put your eyes on Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to keep my eyes on you. 
in spite of all the craziness that's going on in the world, I want them to just follow you, Jesus. Today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to take that first step towards following him. You can pass from death to life, from an old way of life to a new way of life. And one of the ways we celebrate and remember that is through baptism. That's what we're going to celebrate here in just a couple minutes. We say growing people change. We always have a next step to take, a next step in our following of Jesus. And for those who are followers of Jesus, I want you to ask, how can I be like Levi, Matthew? How can I throw a Matthew party? Just invite people to come together, to have a good time, to meet Jesus. How as a church can we do an even better job of just Sunday mornings is a party where we're saying, come on down and meet Jesus. <laughs> it's okay to be sick in need of a doctor. That's why we're here. How can we be so winsome that those who are nothing like Jesus feel comfortable being around us and being around Jesus? How can we keep our eyes focused on Jesus as we follow him? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to move into a time of baptism. And like I said, baptism is just is taking that step of faith. Uh, it's, 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 it's an external act to show the internal decision to follow Jesus that Jesus, as he, as, as he invited people to follow him, eventually that path led him to the cross. Because see, we all have a debt to pay. We can't pay on our own. So Jesus lived the life we couldn't live to die the death we should have died, to pay the price so that we could now be reconciled to God. And then Jesus rose again to provide new life and provide victory over our old way of life. And, and, and when we go under the water and we come back up, it's a, it's, it's a symbol of going, like Jesus going into the ground and then coming back up and rising again on the third day. Baptism doesn't save us, but it's a symbol of what Jesus has done by saving our souls. Let's pray. And then I'm gonna invite uh, Sean and Jamie first to come down and meet me at the tank. So let's pray.